Dave. How are you? Second time I've said hello, Dave. Oh, yeah, today. double uh, we'll do a hello, Dave, in the next segment yeah, as well. Yeah, let's just leave it for then. Yeah. Um, last I ran launch, we're going to yeah. be chatting with Will yeah. McDonald and Costa Nikias. I just ne- realise I've never learned or I've never asked how to say his last name. Is that right? Embarrassing. Apologies uh, to anyone with that last name. I've just massacred that we it. butchered, yeah. Yeah. Um, at Paradise Alley, they've just put on some easy breezy tunes. Yeah, we've got a nice sound bed here. Um, you were just talking just before we started, so I just got something in my eye. Yeah, we'll play on through. Um, Future Mountain. Yeah, I just went there for the first time uh, on Friday night, um, and it's cool. Like it's a great space, big, big space. Got about seventy to hundred barrels there. I don't know how much of it is uh, full or whatever, but they had about fifteen beers on tap. All sort of wild or not wild, but all farmhousey or barrel aged. Yep. Um, and really, really good quality. Like the most obnoxious beer they had was a uh, Buffalo Trace barrel aged Imperial Stout, and it was so like understated. Great. Yeah, it was great. Just a little bit of like vanilla y. Um, just drank way under the nine and a half percent or whatever it was, but their farmhouse pails and some of their barrels are awesome. Mm. Really fun. Mm. Um, For yeah, people that cool. aren't familiar with Future Mountain, um, go back through the Homer's Where the Bear Is episodes. Yep. The guys joined us for one of those. Uh, I can't remember which one exactly, but um, yeah, check it out. Yeah, it's and a good space. Um, on the 86 tram line, a bit further out, it's in Reservoir. It's kind of the fi- so now the final destination on the 86 tram line. Yeah, yeah, going basically. from the city. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I couldn't. I, I could definitely recommend going there. They got like a my two favourites were they got a farmhouse pale, which is just a really really crisp yeast forward pale ale. It's really delicious. Then they had a barrel aged version of that that was just a little bit more complex and interesting. Mm. Both outstanding. So if you can make the trek down, I would recommend it. Um, so speaking of, of the style of beer that we're talking about, both Lasserin and Future Mountain were at Blobfish Festival, mm-hmm. which so we Dave we recorded an episode which we didn't release because it just kind of didn't quite work out. Yeah, we were um, experimenting a little bit. Yeah, but uh, Blobfish Festival was great. Um, shout out to the guys from Hop Nation slash Slight Ferment. Yeah, for putting together a the first of its kind in Australia, completely mixed wild. Spontaneous yeah, kind of fermentation like, I space. I mean, every, anyone who's listening would have seen the lineup and some of the socials. It looked like it looked incredible. Yeah, and, and you were there. A lot of talk about with the other festival organisers about niche festivals yeah. and how we can do it now. It doesn't have to be a beer festival for everyone. You can go super niche, um, and the quality was out of this world. Dollar Bill were all their beers were great. The last Iran beers I had were were outstanding as well. Um, Any had surprises? S- Seawater barrel aged saison thing from um, from Blackman's. Yeah. So their barrel farm project, which is their kind of barrel aged and, and everything I've had so far has been great. Yeah. Yeah. So they had a one that had a, a large portion of seawater in there, and they've been experimenting a bit with it. Amazing. Wow. It's really tasty. And wow. Really stood out from everything else there. And what does it give to the beer? Minerally, sort really of minerally dryness. Yeah. Um, it stood out from everything else there because the standard was. Was so high, yeah. um, and the the two highlights were definitely Dollar Bill and Lasso Ren, the beers that I had from both those. But then, 
this was a completely different approach sure. to this this sort of I don't know wider world of of barrel aged uh, funky beers. Um, so that was kind of a real, you know, it felt like a real landmark moment for Australian beer when the beers aren't tasting like a direct ripoff of America or Belgian sure. beers. So to get some real uh, expressions coming through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Dollar Bill had heirloom raspberries in theirs. Um, can't remember what the last Iran one was, um, but I had something blur. Blur. I think I might have blueberries in there yeah, or something. Right. That sounds about right. Um, it's crazy. We just interviewed them. I could have asked. But anyway, <laughs> um, it was amazing. It was so good. And... There was maybe one or two beers that I didn't enjoy. Uh, both were from the rear barrel. Yeah, um, right. Okay. And I've had rear barrel beers before and I've, I've loved them. It was whatever. But it's um, fun to sort of see that you enjoyed so much local stuff and then the rear barrel were the ones that was a bit, eh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a great thing. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, my eye's killing me. Should we take a break? Nah, play on through. All right. Um, I don't, we don't really have much news or anything. Um, couple of just things. Oh, I don't even think we need to do it. Let's just throw the interview, eh? Yeah, straight and in there. And then come back. I'll, I'll rinse my contacts out. Yeah. So I can feel comfortable seeing again. Sure. And uh, we'll do some wrecks. Love it. All right. Well, we're going to talk about we'll spontaneous beer. Yeah, cool ship collection. Um, uh, firstly, I'll say hi to Dave. Beginning. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. That's good to hear. Sun, Sunday afternoon at Paradise Alley. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's like silent and kind of natural light coming in. I've never <laughs> seen that here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just off Smith Street on Easy Street. Mm. Uh, it's good. Look at the little venue. You guys yeah. have done events here with the last Siren guys, Will and Costa. Uh, they're sharing a microphone. Apologies. <laughs> we need to buy one more microphone. Yeah, that'd be a standard investment. <laughs> uh, Budget cuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, guys. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having us. And yes, I agree. I've, I haven't been to Paradise Alley this early, and I'm just checking out all the little imperfections around, and I love it. It's great. <laughs> Usually it's pitch black and noise and lights and, you know, distractions. So it's really interesting just to be here with all the silence. Really cool. What do you think, Will? I've always liked Paradise Alley. The... Uh, the girls Laura and Renee always had a put on a fun show. So the last event we had here was excellent. So I'm looking for another good day. So we're we going to expect to see you dancing on the bar a bit later, Will. So uh, yes, without doubt. I'm really into that. Sharing a microphone means you're now interviewing Will. Uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just kick back and listen. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions for Will? Uh, well, um, Will, we'll just ask. No, no, no. Um. um you guys have done events here before. We have. Uh, but we have. let's not talk about the past too much. Let's talk about why we're here today. True. However, the past is defining what we're doing today, so that's a, that's a good point too. Um, we're here to launch our, our first Cool Ship beer uh, released in bottle. Um, so pretty big moment for us. Um, and I'm just trying to reflect on, on what I'm going to say here because the Cool Ship or our Cool Ship program has been in existence since 2015. That's, that's you know that's a long time ago really um so we always had the intention of um focusing and specializing on cool ship wild ales when we took possession of our site back in 2010 so you know this is a pretty 
long and strong vision that's now coming to fruition, you know. And um, so we took delivery of that of that vessel back in fifteen, and the intention was always to to produce cool ship ales, you know. And four years on, we've made a cool ship beer every year. We've made multiple cool ship beers every year. I think every year since fifteen, we've done about three or four batches. I think sixteen, we went a bit crazy and did eight batches because we had time and space. We thought, let's do it. And the the intention was to uh, use this vessel to make a cool ship beer and a, a beer that that truly sort of reflects our site, which is what cool shipping is all about. If that's a word, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> that's what spontaneous fermentation, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct, <laughs> correct. So yeah, I guess I'll, I'll I'll go back a bit. We we got this cool ship vessel, which is a big square flat swimming pool looking thing. Where do you go to get a cool ship? Um, we got it from the US. Cool. Yeah. Uh, sorry, designed in the US, but built in Hong Kong, like all things nowadays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we had an authentic cool ship, and I specify that because you can easily use a, a dairy vessel, an open tank from the dairy industry, if you like. But we found in our trials with our open tank, which is an old dairy tank, um, we've done spontaneous in open tanks. In fact, our Wild Trapel is a beer that was made in an open tank. You may have tried that a yeah. few years ago. We made that first in 15, I think, or 14. No, 14. Um, and for us, uh, we found that a dairy tank used as a cool ship didn't give us the right cooling rate. And the whole function of a cool ship, this big square vessel, is to give you surface area, to give you a specific cooling rate. So that way you get a snapshot in time of the local microflora within your brewery and the surrounds. Um, so we always were just fascinated by that. And so... Back in 15, we got the vessel, started making it, but only now have we been um, happy enough to release our first one. What's the difference between the dairy equipment? Is it a geometric difference? It is. It's, it's all geometry. It's a height to diameter ratio sure. that gives you a certain specific surface area. And depending on the volume you put in there, you'll get a specific cooling rate. And, and the authentic and cool ships give you a greater surface area? Yep, yeah, right. absolutely. So if you look at um, what's the most famous cool ship that you guys know of Cantillon, Cantillon yeah. right if you look at theirs it's a really um, it's about 250 to 280 mil high I think yeah, it's really and, shallow yeah, yeah and wow. ours has a similar geometry I mean ours can fit almost 4,000 litres in there but we never fill it we only half fill it so we're only, we're only ever doing 2,000 2,500 litre batches um, and that gives us a really good surface area but we can do bigger if we want but there's just no need to at the moment so um, and we found our cool ship works brilliantly. But the learning curve for us over the years has been, you know, we've been doing it for the last four years, making cool ship beer. We've noticed the pattern and the seasonality affects when we can do it and how we can do it. Um, and I gave a talk, this similar talk at in Amsterdam at um, at the Brett Festival last year, uh, this year, and I was saying how we've noticed we need a specific wind speed and temperature to get a successful result. And the successful result is getting a good inoculation of natural bacteria and yeast. Um, and we've learned that. We know we need X amount of wind speed and the temperature has to be within a certain range. If it's higher than that, it still can work, but it hasn't always worked. So we're starting to sort of experiment with how to use a cool ship vessel and when we can use it. These um, the releases that you're doing, is it one beer release today? Mm. Uh, so, so we're releasing the beginning, it's called, which is our first cool ship beer, and it's only been fermented for a year. Okay. 
So we're, we're releasing the beginning first, which is a one-year fermentation. So after it sits in this cool ship, um, it's set for 24 hours and cools down to around 19 to 20 Celsius. We then gravity fill into punchins, 500-litre French oak vats. And it sits there until it starts to take off. And we've noticed um, seasonality plays a huge role. So if we do it at the right time and the right wind speed, it takes off in the barrel within about a week and a half. If we don't, it can take up to three or four months to take off. And it's a nerve-wracking three or four months when you have wort supposedly inoculated sitting there and you don't know where it's going to go. So for us, it's, it's been a real learning curve to figure out how to use a cool ship. Mm. Having one is great. Knowing how to use it, I think, for your site is, is the work. And mm. so we've been, for the last four years, sort of been, that's been a bit of a side project of mine. So it's great to be able to finally release our first one and there'll be more coming soon. And hopefully, in theory, we should release enough in a certain period of time where you can compare a one-year, a two-year, and even a three-year. Mm. Um, so it'd be really good to do them side by side. So perhaps we can do a podcast about that yeah, at some point. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> How does the wind speed factor in? Um, we, just, we found, and I don't know whether there's any science to this, but we've noticed when there's certain wind speed, we get a lot of things flying in. Right versus having a you know a still night you still get inoculation but we get more inoculation when we get some wind right that makes sense particularly directional uh yeah absolutely yeah so for us northwest we tend to when the winds are north northwest we tend to want to do a cool ship so do you have any idea about what is coming like what the source of yeah well It's hard to know specifically where sure. it's coming from. We'd like to think, I mean, you've been to our brewery. We're 20 metres away from 130 acres of National Park on one side. <laughs> 180 was the correct No, it's 130, but maybe we'll have this ongoing uh, okay. joke. Anyway, um, and on the other side, we have a, um, the Darabin Creek. So we're surrounded by potentially uh, an environment of teeming flora. And so we'd like to think what is inoculating our cool ship is coming from there. But ultimately, who knows? You know, really, um, we do a lot of testing. In fact, um, we're so committed to the cool ship, the first week we got the keys to our our big warehouse, um, we built a pilot cool ship. Have I shown you the pilot cool ship? I have seen that before. Yeah, yeah maybe a photo. Not yeah, so it's a little 100-litre cool ship with the same geometry as the big one we have now. And so we started doing cool ships from week one. When we got our brewery so making big using a cool ship has always been a complete fascination of mine and if 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 i had my uh way we would just make cool ship beers <laughs> two months a year and then holiday 10 months a year but unfortunately that's not viable and he needs to get paid i guess yeah, yeah. say the maths on that I, I can't yeah it's, it's too yeah. good yeah you do the math as they say <laughs> will do you want to add anything to that uh no i mean it's i guess it's uh, you know, uh, just an extension of what oh, I've, you know, all the beers that, that you've been making and, and that come out of the brewery, there's always this fascination with the site and expressing that site. And I think the cool ship's just a, a beautiful extra, another uh, extension of that. So, you know, um, everything from our, our urban pale in Cam, which is our house yeast and expressing, um, you know, that local culture to, uh, you know, our Saison, which again, for us, you know, really beautifully expresses expresses that that house yeast in the site, to the the ultimate expression for us, which is just squeezing as much character out of the brewery as possible. So it's yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, probably most people know Costa, but they probably don't know your role at La Serena. Can you tell us what that is? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I... Um, <laughs> I guess I'm... Uh, technically now it feels like a job interview, the way you're looking yeah. at it. <laughs> so four and a half, I guess four and a half years ago, it doesn't, it's, been it's been that long, yeah. I don't know how you've put up with me, but uh, or vice versa. But uh, uh, four and a half years ago, I... I met Costa, and I think we we just hit it off straight away. And I think uh, you know we've we're different in a lot of ways, but also very similar in a lot of ways. And um, uh, it's been a good working relationship. But I guess my major role is as the brewery ambassador. So I'm sort of out and about talking to venues, doing a lot of events, and putting um, you know uh, events together like like today. So a lot of my focus is is sort of sales and marketing, but um, also events. But you know, being a small team, you know, it is a fairly collaborative environment at the brewery, which is one of the reasons why I think um, I, I fell in love with the, you know, um, the, the beer and the brewery and, and the, the role because it does allow me to, uh, I guess, yeah, have a lot to do with the process and have a sense of ownership on the beer. And I do feel like when I talk about La Serene and, um, and, and I represent La Serene, that it, you know, I do have that sense of ownership, which is, which is great. It makes, makes my job a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, brewery ambassador technically. Um, yeah. How um, then... Uh, do you think these cool ship beers are going to work in the current market? I imagine, I guess my impression is selling a cool ship beer in 2019 is slightly easier than it would have been when Lazarin first started, but what's, yeah, the, what's a, the awareness in the trade of this style of beer? Oh, look, it's growing. I mean, four and a half years ago, uh, I was going from venue to venue, really educating people on what a saison was, um, who we were as a brand. There was a, a lot of people... Um, you know, hadn't heard of us or had heard of us from maybe maybe the praline from from Gabs or uh, maybe the saison, but there was really not a lot of awareness about us or about wild brewing or especially about sort of saison as a style. Um, so I've seen that come a long way in the last four years, especially the last I think the last two years has been a real jump, a real leap forward um, in the industry and and bartenders really really understanding a lot about beer and a lot about uh, more about what we do in terms of that, that wild brewing side of things. Uh, and also in the public, and there's been a shift. It's still, it still is a, a niche and it still is a, a very small percentage, but it is bleeding into the, the mainstream more and more, um, which makes my job a little bit easier. Uh, and I think people are getting more excited about, you know, finding out who's behind a brand, how things are made, um, you know, the story of... Um, of who we are, so that's that's really uh, been great, sort of feeding into into what we do. Because I think we have, I've always enjoyed our story. It's a, it's it's a, you know, it, it's there's a, there's a bit of romance there. It's um, it's it's such a a natural way of of making beer, and there's um, there's so much that you you can sort of glean from just drinking the beer about sort of what we do and who we are. Mm. Um, I have a question. Sorry, I'm playing with my audio too much. I'm, I'm, bloody, I'm bloody Goldilocksing it over here. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this mic over to you, Costa. Um, I have a question about blending. Um, cool ship beers and blending is kind of a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so cool ship beers, um, you know, and let's just state, you know, cool ship beers in this country are few and far between. Um, we obviously... Uh, very much committed to the category of making beer using cool ship. And like I said before, if I had my way, I'd be making everything through the cool ship. But this year is going to be really interesting because we're going to start experimenting a lot more with the cool ship at different times of year and different techniques and processes. So um, stay tuned for that. I'm, I'm, I'm the eternal 
you know, tinker a lot to experiment and try new things and see what works and why, more importantly, so I can understand it. So it's like a feedback for me to sort of get that, get that information, figure out why it worked or didn't work and move on. Um, and uh, shit, I just forgot the question. Blending. Oh, yeah, oh, blending. Keyword, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blending. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Um, uh, yeah, blending. I mean, blending is a really big part of these sorts of beers, isn't it? Um, it's quite funny. Uh, this first beer that we're releasing today called The Beginning is um, a blended beer from various barrels, but we blended the whole lot. So once I realised that we could use the whole lot and the blend was just perfect the way it was, um, we decided to sort of go forth with that. So it's a blended beer, but we use the whole lot. So does that count? I'm not sure. Um, but blending is a, a significant part of it because sometimes you'll put the whole contents of that cool ship into different barrels and some barrels will work, some won't. Um, and in the earlier days, we found that. But eventually, they all tend to ferment out. Eventually. And um, so I guess blending is important, um, but I am more passionate about giving you a singular expression of what is or was at the time than trying to blend out or create a blend that is to your liking, if that makes sense. A bit of a purist like that, I guess, if we're going to use the cool ship, let's just give it to your warts and all. And um, in our experience, we've found warts and all is a really lovely result. So <clears throat> blending is interesting. Um, I'm not, you know, I can't say that every cool ship is going to work every time and it, prob it probably won't. And that's where blending can come in you know, to, to rescue it, I guess. But if we have the opportunity to just show you what was the way it was, well, that's our preference. And this first beer is, is that. Not quite what you expected, huh? Does it? Yeah, no. <laughs> do, do you gravity um, it all into the same sized vessels, the same uh, size punches? Uh, well, first of all, we, we gravity first because I'm a big fan of maintaining the integrity of the beer and I'm not a fan of pumping things. Like None of our beers are pumped. Um, and maybe it's my wine background where we used to never use pumps because it would, in, in inverted commas, bruise the wine. And I think I've taken a bit of that to the beer industry. So when we move beer around our brewery, it's always with gas. We never use pumps. I think pumps just, just, just do something to the mouthfeel of a beer. I can't quantify that, and I'd love to speak to more tech people about that. So if you know of anyone, send them my way. <laughs> I'd love to sort of see if I can quantify that. It's quite big in the wine industry, and I can, you know, this bruising effect, I, I'd love to understand what that really means. Um, but I, sort of, I think I do a bit of that with the beer. So, yeah, we, we gravity out of the cool ship into different size um, formats. It typically, though, we'll aim to have them in a 500 litre. And we found 500 litre punchings are great because you get, for some reason, I can't explain why, you get more of a repeatable result in larger formats. Now, it might be when we put cool ship into bariques, so 225 or 228, depending on where they're from, um, we, I find I get more variation. Now, why that is, I'm not sure. Um, but as a preference, we put them into 500 litre punchings. We save all of our punchings um, for the cool ship beers. Um, it's also, I guess, you've got a larger volume to work with, so 500 litres. I guess you blend, if you're blending two barrels of 500, it's less confusing than trying to blend in, you know, sure, four, five, yeah. six bariques. So um, it's something that we just gravitated to early, but we found we get more repeatability. I mean, wow. keeping in mind, we're keeping using the same barrels again. 
Um, but uh, we tend to keep in there for the whole time. Sometimes people move or rack off uh, cool shit beers because as it ferments, it'll drop the yeast out down the bottom. I'm not really a fan of that. I, I prefer to have the beer sit on the yeast um, or on the lees, on the yeast lees, and that, and that gives you a bit of texture, and you'll find that in our beer that we're going to launch today, it has a nice texture to it because it's been sitting on, on the yeast for a while. Some brewers I know in the States like to rack it off, clean it up, but uh, I'm a big fan of leaving it. You know, some of the best Grand Crews in the world, wine, you know, that Grand Cru character is yeast autolysis character, so <clears throat> I think it should be relevant for the beer industry too, so we tend to just leave it on the, on the yeast. It's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, I know Jester King were playing around with green bottles oh, and yep. Light Strike. Yes, uh, yes. You know, to try and mimic Saison Dupont yeah. when it sat in a green bottle for a little bit. <laughs> um, Classic. Uh, off, and I, I guess I've read this about French wineries yep. uh, versus American wineries. Sterility in American wineries and uh, a little bit you know, dirty in the French. Um, where gritty, uh, gritty, yeah, yeah. and yeah. where you know there, there was maybe a little bit of Britannomyces creeping in, and, and yeah, some sort of bacteria that the Americans were completely keeping out, and that's are we talking wine or beer? Wine? That was wine. Yeah, uh, I remember reading yeah. an article years ago about yeah. the kind of learnings in yeah. the early days um, in California wine, uh, and you're yep. talking about it, autolysis. Yes. So off flavors can, or not, or what we see as off flavors, but mm. flavors that you most people want to keep out. Can contribute to can a positive contribute. experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you look at, if you go back to the wine thing, look at Bordeaux, uh, the classic Bordeaux blends. Um, they tend to have a little bit of Brett in them. I find a great Bordeaux, and the older it gets, the more that Brett sort of expresses itself. And Brett's this amazing wild yeast, which is so rare to find. It's not everywhere like people think. It's actually like a needle in a haystack, um, and uh, it contributes to a lot of that Bordeaux sort of rustic wild character. Um, but yeah, Britannomyces in the wine industry in the new world, like the US and Australia, oh my God, they, as soon as, you know, like you're taught, like I was in school, in winemaking school, taught to identify Britannomyces, quarantine it and destroy it, like it's, <laughs> and uh, it's crazy, but in the old world, they sort of learned to work with it, which is gorgeous and it's sort of where, sort of we fit in the beer world when it comes to making uh, oak-aged wild ales, which is what we're all about. Um, so we like to invite a lot of wild yeast in that lives within our brewery and the surrounds. But the Brett factor, um, you know when you've got Brett, it's because it's a very identifiable sort of character. And uh, when we find it, we sort of high-five each other because it's so, <laughs> so, so hard to find. You know, you'll find lots of people buy Brett and culture it up and spray it around or whatever. But when you find natural Brett living there, wow, it's a magical mm. moment. And we've found some. Um, we have no idea where it came from. We'd love to think it came from the parklands, but who really knows? Hmm. Um, so we're heading into some seasonal change. Mm. Uh, what's Lasso Ren going to be up to for the next, say, three or four months leading into summer? Any, oh, the, the looks just then on your face <laughs> is like, oh, we probably can't say too no, much. No, no, well, look, we're going to release that. That's just a lot. lot okay. Lot. Yeah, we're going to release a double IPA next week. <laughs> hazy double IPA. Hazy yeah. double IPA, about a 9% alcohol. Lanipa. <laughs> um, it's quite funny. And we joke about this, but I've been toying with the idea of making more hop forward IPA style beers. Because yeah. you, you do single hop um, Saison series. Saison series. Yep. And yeah, that's great. lovely. Yeah, I, really yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's sort of our way to play with hops. We, we love Saison, you know, 
as my wife has said, if you cut me, I bleed Saison and I can't help it. I love making Saisons. I don't want to stop making them. I just want to take them further, you know. And so we've, we've sort of toyed with this idea, well, let's take a Saison, one of our classic Saisons, and just hop it up like it's a double IPA, just out of fun and just to see what happens. So, yeah. I and guess, some of the hopped up barrel releases that we've released recently in the avant-garde collection are, yeah. are yep. really fun, like really yeah. interesting, how yep. that interplays with the, the wild character. Yeah, the Tropique, if you can get your hands on that, or the Elemental, which is our latest mm-hmm. seasonal. Have you tried Mosaic? that? Mosaic? I don't think I have, no. Yeah, I think it's all gone. Um, I think the last one I tried would have been Wild Wet, maybe. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, I've been buying, actually, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast, mm. buying the, the regular Saison a lot. Yep. It's probably been in my fridge half a dozen times um, the last few months, which is rare yeah. for, for these days in beer to yeah. repeat the same purchase. Um, it's tasting so good. Yeah, thank you. It's it's something that, you know, it's only taken me nine years to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when we first made our Saison to now, my God, what a learning curve. And we now are getting this repeatability and we're getting like real natural funk um, and a beautiful acidity developing. And this is happening, happening, happening naturally, so we're not doing anything to it. It's mm. just it's it's airborne in, within our brewery, the right combination, and that saison's just been consistent the last ten batches. The um, great, yeah. carbonation, um, which I know you had really high carbonation in the past, yep. Yep. Um, it doesn't burst out of the bottle. But when mm. I pour it, yeah. it's mm. staying yep. insanely like the head is there and you can't move it yeah um which i don't know congratulations <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we love bit, that yeah, to, to be honest it's not us it's 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 just it's natural brewing you know we, we've even gone we've gone so far into just keeping it simple yeah, i think six months ago we, we used to use these um seaweed extract fining agent in the kettle a lot of brewers use them they're they're cool and it's a very natural product but even that we've stopped using we've stopped using anything that almost relates to modern brewing technique. And so we don't filter it, we don't find it. Um, the Saison is naturally fermented, no temperature control. It's open fermented. It is what it is. What we're noticing, though, is seasonal variation, which is what you know excites me because you know having our Saison made in the summer months versus the winter months side by side, you should try it. Uh, it's, it's really fascinating. And it's sort of the way I think beer used to be made. Would you ever delineate that on the label yeah it was i got asked that at that brett conference in amsterdam and i'd love to i'm not sure how um but we probably need to look at that perhaps to inform the customer that hey you're making us uh, you're drinking a saison that was made in the summer months so expect this sort of thing you know more acidity um you know uh higher temperatures because it'll tend to race by itself because the ambient temperature where, where winter would be the other way. So, you know, yeast, it'd be, it'd be more yeast forward in winter, a bit more subdued in the ester profiles. Um, so, yeah, it, we do probably need to address that, but at the moment I'm just having fun noticing the differences um, and educating people about it that it's, it's okay. That thing never stops. It's kind of, you know, part of the job, right? Phone calls all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. I should have turned it off. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> this is not a formal podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, Saison's a... I mean, yeah, it's quite funny. Like when you say what's happening in the next three or four months, there's so much happening, but it's in a very small sort of space. So we'd love to do a lot in a very small space, 
and it's just feeding back into what we've always wanted to do, which is make saisons that re- that that reflect our place, our environment, and then learn more about that. So deep dive into that as to what's happening and why, um, because that's part of our journey. That's part of my journey to you know I, I love this industry. I love making saisons. I don't want to do anything different, to be honest. Um, uh, and yeah, so it's it's we're doing heaps. So just stay tuned, mm. and I'm sure you'll you'll hear all about and it. And t- time is such a huge element in everything we do. And it's uh, you know having a barrel program that's been growing and evolving over almost ten years. Mm. This year is just really exciting because we got it's matured, and we can sort of yep. look at a wall of barrels and see so many beers ready to go. Yeah, um, beers that we can. Yeah, they're all ready. They're all ready. I mean, it's quite funny. Two years ago, some of the beers were ready, but this year we found we're tasting them and they're all really developed. So that's why we've actually released a lot this year because mm. they've just been ready. And we thought, well, shit, um, what are we going to do? Um, so we're, we're trying to release them in a way that people can have time to get their hands on them and enjoy them, enjoy the experience and go to the next one. Um, so it's been a big year for us to release them because uh, they've been sitting in barrels for a long time. Well, I think when yeah. we spoke um, for a, a longer chat, uh, Christmas Day podcast. It was a release a few years back now. Oh right, um, yeah, cool. And you had a lot of barrels that you're like, I don't, I don't think you'd actually released anything out of the barrel <laughs> other than into the US market. I think was the only one that you'd done in, in package Maybe. form. Yeah, right. Was. Um, yeah, but that's rapidly changed in the last. Couple yeah, years. it has. I mean, the beers are. Yeah, you know, like I said, a lot of them are just really ready. So that's why we've had to get them out to make up space for the new things so mm. it's been great it's been great and the beautiful thing about barrels is and the way that we use barrels is it's not about putting it in for a set time um <clears throat> you know you can't say oh this will be ready in 10 months 12 months you, you really have no idea um it's just about tasting them every month and getting that feedback and seeing where it's going and if you like where it's going foster that if you don't like where it's going like i do dump it straight away mm. i'm very quick to trigger a dump Will will confirm that. I tend to dump a lot of things. And no one ever hears about it. You'll never hear about it. But I think it's important to sort of state when you're playing with barrels, sometimes things don't work out. Mm. And it's too far gone to actually save. Um, and I don't even bother anymore, to be honest, because it's a lot of work. I'd rather just start again <laughs> and learn from it. Good money after bad kind of a thing, right? It is. It is. And you still don't know whether it's going to work out. So I'm a big fan of, you know what, just cut your losses straight away early, move on, and... Um, don't tell your financial person about it. <laughs> uh, any more questions from you, Dave? Uh, we, you're about to have an event start behind us, so mm. we'll let you guys get to it. Thank you so much for joining us. Anything you want to add before we wrap up? Costa? You go first, Will. Oh, no, look, it's, um, look, it's just look, we're excited about today and, and hopefully there's a, a few people coming down to help us celebrate. So today's really – sometimes we do, we do a lot of events, uh, sit-down dinners and – uh, a little bit more, I guess, a formal kind of format, and it's nice today just to just have a bit of a party and celebrate something that you know has yeah. been four years in the making. So, uh, yeah, we're excited, and it's you know it's a delicious beer, and I guess that's the for delish. Us, the, the delish. The point. I mean, there's there's a lot of work oh. and time that goes into that you put into brewing this style of beer, and there's no point in doing it unless the end result is you know is is like an amazing experience and tastes mm. great. Um, so yeah, we think it tastes great, and hopefully everyone else does too. But yeah, today should be fun. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. It's been a long time coming. I just, you know, finally we've reached that point where we can start releasing beers out of the cool shit. Finally. <laughs> right. Okay. 
Uh, thanks so much for enjoying uh, sorry, for enjoying us for joining us <laughs> I enjoyed you guys <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoyed all of you yeah. uh, been a pleasure and uh, thank you yeah, look forward to tasting the beer very soon thanks guys Cheers. thank you thank you welcome back how's your uh, contact good good um Rinse my contact out. I can see you again properly. Back in business. Uh, we've had just had a good chat with the, the guys. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, really good insight into their approach to to making beer. Yeah. Um, and, and the vibe of the business too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, always a pleasure. Um, and thanks to them for. And we also up. have one of the aforementioned beers in hand. Yeah. Um, we were describing. I think we kind of settled on a, a mandarin or a citrus in that somewhat sour but sweet. But yep. Dry, mm-hmm. a little bit peachy, a little bit peachy. It like spikes up in it with the sourness, like pretty intensely, and then it dries out. Mm. It's good. Probably more than any other last iron beer I've had. Yep. Um, sour wise, but it dries. Yeah, it dries up beautifully. I wasn't beer. expecting it to be as sour, but I don't really know what I was expecting though. Yeah, hard to say. I guess this is the first of a series, so mm. of course it tastes different to the others. It's kind of gentle. It's like really smooth and. Gentle mouthfeel. Mm. Uh, Yummy. Yeah, fun. Fun stuff. Uh, let's do some recommendations. Sure. Let's do beer first. Beer first. You go first. All right. Because I feel like yours is more in the theme of the show. Oh, okay. Sure. Um, mine is uh, Molly Rose Tilly, which is the uh, Matilds before it gets bottle conditions mm. so regularly on tap down at the um brewery it's it's so good it's just a clean vibrant uh spicy saison and it's so good like i've been there a couple of times now where i feel like i've got a feel about what's going on at the brewery so now i'm gonna be just hitting pints of tilly yeah okay <laughs> that's my that's my vibe it's a cool space uh yeah we've talked about it before good fun um, yeah yeah, yeah so uh, Molly Rose Tilly. I mean, by extension, if you see Matilda around, grab that. But Tilly at the brewery, awesome. Uh, if you if you mash that with a uh, cheese toasty and tomato soup, you're having a good time. Which is what they do there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go not farmhousey, not wild. All right. Uh, That's cool. Not really the theme of the show at all. A li- little bit old school in 2019, we'll yeah. say. Um, the Grapefruit IPA from Blaster Brewing in WA. I don't know a heap about Blaster Brewing. Um, mm-hmm. They're kind of one of that smallish WA crew that's popping up that we don't really see over here. Um, just had one the other night on tap somewhere. And it's bloody lovely. Bloody nice. lovely. Uh, I had the New England IPA afterwards. It's fine. The Yeah, the Grapefruit was more West but Coast. But the Grapefruit nice West Coast is more like just, yeah, um, beautiful. Good stuff. Really good stuff. That's great. Yeah. Work blaster. Is blaster it with an A. Blaster with an A, yeah. yeah. And you found that on tap or was yeah, it? Yeah, I think it might have been. It was at BMS. We're just above where we Do you know if it's pa- packaged? Hard to say. I'll keep my eyes peeled for it though. Yeah, yeah. Because I've never, like, seeing the words grapefruit IPA is a turn off for me. And I don't know why, but I think it's because there's been so many ones. substandard ones. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So, um, all right, I'll have I, to keep I in mind. I kind of should give a quick shout out talking about WA to um, Beerland Brewing. Um, we've they won champion beer a couple of years ago at the Abers um, for their wheat and 
they sent me a couple of beers um, and a hat. Thank you, Michael, for hooking us up with a hat. Um, or when I say us, me. Sorry, Dave. No, it's all right. Hatless. <laughs> um, and the beers we had, they were kind of a hazy pale. Yeah. Really delicious. Nice. Really and Who good. was that, sorry? Uh, Beerland Brewing. Beerland. So, so they've got two different breweries that have slightly different names um, and they escape me right okay. now. Okay. Apologies. Um, like they've kind of big brew pub hospitality models, um, but the brewer has spent years in big breweries. Um, I think he might be the guy on the front of the emu cans. I think he's oh. the guy on emu cans, and that's him. Right. So he's been in the industry yeah, for a long time. Yeah, okay. Um, and now he's. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now he's overseeing this kind of smallish to smallish operations. Awesome. Really impressed with the beer. Um, that was really, really yummy stuff. Fun. Uh, let's do non-beer. Sure. Um, uh, it's going to be another Netflix recommendation. Uh, Colin Quinn's Red State, Blue State. Have you had a look at that? Yeah. Did you have you watched any of his sort of like one-man yeah, show yeah, things? Yeah. yeah. Like in a similar way, um, it's probably the best one I reckon. It's so goddamn funny. But just looking at uh, the State of the Union, I guess at the moment. But I mean, he's got one long bit where he like summarizes every state hilarious it's really good so right. yeah colin quinn red state blue state check it out it's good uh i'm gonna it's a bit of a left field one here dave um i've been tinkering with this idea for a while here about uh progressive sandwiches okay where i did i made one today making a sandwich that's just not one thing so I've got a, I live a condiment filled life Sure Hot sauce I've got homemade mustard I've got sauerkraut Yeah We had a lot of cheese in the house So I made a sandwich Using Almost like half Of one thing Half of the other In the same sandwich Like one side had mustard The other side had pesto Yeah And then Adding different condiments As you go A couple of bites by itself On one side Maybe add a little bit of hot sauce To that one Maybe dipping that one A little bit of something And kind of ramping the flavour up As you go Throughout your sandwich Don't just settle on your sandwich As yeah, it comes out I don't mind it Yeah I've seen a similar theory um, On the internet I think they called it The mathematical sandwich Okay And it was um, Spread I mean it's basic But the idea is fun It's Your bread With a third of Jam yep. A third of uh, Peanut butter And yep. a third of uh, Nutella say In three lines Yeah And then the same thing in horizontal lines uh, across the other side of bread. Okay. You put them together and then you've got this like much bigger number of combinations across all these bites yeah, in your sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Um, progressive sandwiches though. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. So I'm like a huge fan of condimenting per bite. I love that. Yeah, I'm also a huge fan of changing up the condiments. Like I do it when I have noodle soup. So if I'm going for Vietnamese noodle soup, I'll start off eating it pretty plain enjoying the broth enjoying the ingredients and by the end I've ramped up the heat yeah definitely so the last few bites I've got a lot of hot sauce I always like to um, yeah like appreciate and sort of like analyse the broth a bit yeah and then get a bit silly with it yeah it's yeah, good yeah build it up um, so yeah next time you're making a sandwich in your kitchen stay in the kitchen and just add things to it as you go yeah nice pull something out if you're halfway through and you think it could do with some crunch Find something crunchy. Mate, easy. You don't have to just settle on your sandwich. That's what I'm saying to you. Don't settle on your sandwich. Dave, it's been a pleasure. Always. Where do people find you? At Melb Dave on the Twitters and the Instagrams. 
How do people get in touch with you? At Ale of a Time everywhere. Um, Hypothetical Institute for Conspiracy Gear. Eats and Drinks is on a little bit of a hiatus just because I've been crazy busy. Um, and actually, Salty's been a little bit busy working on a beer project with one of our Ooh. friends. So stay tuned for some sick salty art on some amazing beers coming soon. That's awesome. Uh, I don't know when that's officially announced, so I can't say too much. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, Eats and Drinks on YouTube. Uh, I'm doing anything else. Oh, I'm doing a thing with Mr. West uh, in October, October the 5th. Um, they're having a tap takeover with Mr. Banks and Range. Sweet. That sounds a, great. Yeah, they've yeah. been in collaboration with the three of them. And we're trying to work out, we're going to do some sort of masterclass. We don't know what that looks like just yet. But um, something's going to happen though. Yeah, it might be something casual, it might be ticketed. Um, but watch this space, or check out Mr. West's Facebook. Um, be hosted by me, it'll be with Chris from Mr. Banks and Mitch from Range. Uh, I don't know, it's... If you can anywhere where I can drink all their beers at once, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like you, could, you couldn't have picked two brands that have just consistently good beers, so yeah, so yeah, um, come along, um, tap takeover, try the collab. Uh, yeah, it'll be good. October 5th, very good. All right, cheers, Dave. See you later.